Kaya Drive with Seaswe, Monday to Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. On Kaya 959. Sinashe, 2-1-9-5-9. It's Kaya Drive. We are on the streets. We are on the air. And then before that, TK, how do you feel? Kicking off the hour of 4 o'clock. Now, there's a lot that has been happening in the country over the last... Ah, let's call it like two months leading up to the elections. And then definitely the last week of the elections. And now the ANC recognizing Guti, hey, yeah, yeah, things are not the same. In fact, a lot of large parties are realizing Guti, it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. Too bad. Um, the question I asked in the last hour was, do you think SA will be governed by a white person again? And if so, how soon? I think so. Yeah. I just don't know how soon. But I think if black leaders continue leading the way they are, Mm -hmm. then there's no other option but to look elsewhere. And I think speaks to the democracy of South Africa. Mm. Try others when it's failing where you are. Okay. So we've got a couple of voice notes. I think maybe I want to start with those before we get to what it is that I'd like us to discuss. Okay. Uh, and if that happened, would it be a bad thing? Just think about that for now. Uh, to answer your question, Pruam, I don't think they will ever, 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 ever again. One of the reasons, Pruam, it's because of uh, fear. You understand, Pruam? Uh, why am I saying fear? As much as we know, okay, how corrupt we are, all of these scandals and what what, but uh, we as black people, that's my opinion. back to understand as much as uh, we can say, yeah, corrupt but I'm fit. We know these people have a stand. As much as they can say nice things in any, but the fact remains, bro. We will never be united. We will never. As soon as they get into power, ah, I see. Everything will change, bro. Everything will change. So I, I'm also one of those people who this is where I feel to. As much as Tina, but I don't. Okay, so diametrically opposed views there, which kind of represents, I guess, the spectrum of South Africans. Yeah. I want to play you a clip, right, from um, the incoming DA mayor, Chris Papas. This guy has led the DA to the first fully controlled KZN municipality. Uh, and I want you to listen to not just the fact that he's speaking in Zulu. I mean, that's not impressive. But listen to his messaging. Listen to what he's saying. The substance, for me, is a material fact. Yeah. 
If you know in the Midlands, you'll know what the issues are there. And this guy, he hits the number of the issue right on the head. And I think the conversation you need to have is anybody who's going to govern and lead does that person need to be like you or they, do they need to understand the people that they govern and lead that's the first question you got to ask yourself that uh, because going into these elections there was a lot of missteps not just from white people the ANC got it wrong the EFF got it wrong that's why I didn't translate to votes and these are things that I think now we can obviously have a discussion about because everything has shaken down and we've seen, okay, these are the results. Uh, and we're having a discussion now about, I guess, messaging going into elections and in politics. The first person that I'd like us to speak to is a guest of ours, Lorato, checking. Uh, and maybe uh, you can tell us if you feel that this is a communications issue or an identity issue. I was speaking to another guest that we're going to have uh, on the show, Tessa Dooms, earlier on. Uh, and she was saying it's strictly a matter of identifying with the candidate. My question would be, how do you tell if you can identify with the person without them communicating? Lorado. Oh, th- th- thank you so much, Sizwe, and good afternoon to uh, the KFM listeners. Mm. And, and, and perhaps we need to take it back a little bit, right? Mm. So if you listen to one of the consistent gripes of people who are in the townships in particular, or even in the, uh, yeah, I, I'll focus on the townships. Mm. 
Ah, it, it seems like we've just lost. But there's a... Oh, the line dropped there for a second. Yes, oh, you can go okay. back. Okay, apologies about that. Whenever there's a, an, you know, some sort of conflict between the community and the counsellor, uh, it comes out from, we don't believe that you are sharing experiences with us, mm. right? Mm. How often have you had people saying, yeah, but you know these guys, we elect them, the next thing they move to the suburbs, mm. Mm. right? So, so there it immediately tells you that people always feel that you empathize with them better when you have a shared experience, mm. right? Because when, when you, you can say many things, you can say, you know, like the clip that you played earlier about Umsunduzi, uh, yeah, mm. right? He, he says all the right things. Mm. And, and that is why you then have a Tokyo Sehwale, you remember in one of the election campaigns, he went and slept in a shack mm. because the message he was trying to convey was that I have experienced what you experience on a daily basis. Mm. And now I know. And now that I know, I'm going to do things differently. That was the message he was trying to convey. Mm. So, so, so to your question, people often connect better when they can identify that indeed you share experiences with them. Mm. And the biggest question in what you are asking now is everyone who's been communicating and trying to connect with the voter, do they have a shared experience? Of course, there are many issues that are common amongst us. Crime, safety and security, you, you know, you can name them. Mm. But I live in Kempton Park, right? Mm. Just my, my neighbors are in Tembisa. My, the, the, the roads and the, the lights here where I live, they are often a lot in a better state than just down the road in Tembisa, mm. right? So if you're asking me and a person in Tembisa to say, let us list the top five bugbears, I suspect that they are going to be different, right? Mm. So if that is the case, and I then want a message to resonate with them and continue saying the same things to them, right? That I believe that, you know, are their bugbears, of course, they will nod in agreement. Mm. But will they actually feel that I'm being empathetic? Perhaps not. So now let me ask you this, yeah, because empathy is one thing. We've heard a lot of people say the right things. And indeed, we've seen the numbers reflect as if people would then get the vote. The rallies were packed. Dare uh, I even say social media interaction was high. But when people get in the ballots... And costing it X, that's a very personal thing. And uh, very often people will deceive you there. Why is it that some people, for example, in the matter of Chris, happen to get it right and others get it wrong despite having had the right message and seemingly having connected? So, so I, I suspect it's a number of things, right? Mm. But m most importantly, it may be the frequency of engagement, mm. right? A lot of us don't know who our local councillors are, mm. right? Because often there's hardly ever a need to be in touch with them. Unless if there's a big issue in my area, you know, whether there's an outage that is not ESCOM related, then, you know, we need to know whether the councillor is doing something about it. Uncollected rubbish for days on end, then we interact with them. Or they come to us when they're talking about the integrated development plan or anything that concerns what they want to convey to us, mm. right? And the question may be, do you, is it possible that uh, in Umsunduzi, 
he actually connects with the people a lot more often than a lot of the councillors do. Mm. Because that then becomes a, 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 a point of, you, you don't only come to us when you need something from us, either when you need a vote or when you want to rubber stamp the IDP or, you know, just to say that there was public consultation or whatever the case may be. There is consistency, right? And, and again, I'm speaking here really speculating. I don't really know whether that is one of the things that is doing. But I suspect that that is one of the key things that happens. Mm. And that is why if you look at a number of the independents that have been able to garner some votes in their lo- local uh, VDs and, and wards, it has been as a result of people have seen them being real activists, right? So when an is- issue comes up, this person takes it upon them, goes to the relevant authority, whether it's uh, the municipality, the uh, police, or pe- perhaps they are even in charge of the, 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 the community policing forum, right? So they're seeing the responsiveness. And, and, and I guess that is a second element that really shows some attributes of somebody that deserves that kind of attention. Even when I get into the, the booth, I actually remember that last time when I raised an issue, you were responsive. You may not have been able to successfully resolve it because it, it lies elsewhere, right? Or the solution lies elsewhere. Mm. But you were responsive in making sure that you hear me and you the semblance of you doing something about it. Thank you. So as you can hear, uh, joined by our first guest on the line, Lorato Njanking, and we're having a discussion about, I suppose communicating with your constituency and uh, communicating the message, connecting with them and making sure that you convert that to a vote. You can give us a shout right now about it. 086-00-00959. Hit us up on WhatsApp as well. 0636-880-959. We join the studio now by another close friend of the shows, Ms. Tessa Dooms. Uh, if you're listening earlier on, you'll have heard that we started off the conversation speaking about Chris uh, Papas from KZN, Umde uh, in the municipality, the incoming mayor there. Uh, and then we communicated with Lorato Njengeng, uh, who's also on the line still. But now, I think maybe let me divert your attention to another DA member, Tessa. And uh, again, you will be familiar with John Sternhuisen. Uh You will know that his communication message was not as well received as Chris's communication message was. Uh, so much so that even when he had literally a potential voter, a black woman, sitting in front of him, telling him what her personal issues were. Uh, he and alongside Gareth Cleaves took it upon themselves to tell her that, no, that's actually not what's important. Uh, and before you joined us, Lorato was just explaining how sometimes it's just about who you identify with before they even say anything else. He spoke about empathy. He spoke about shared experiences. Uh, and what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, one of the things about um, politics and politicians is that they're supposed to be representing us. That's what they're asking for. Mm. They're saying, um, put me in on your behalf and I will do justice to your cause. I will speak for you in the corridors of power. I will represent you. 
Now, um, at, at a face value level in this country, we've already got issues with represent, representation when we see someone who doesn't look like us. Mm-hmm. Then there are all of the other differences. We are a very, very different society, uh, very heterogeneous. We're not the same. And so if you, you add on to that race and then you add on gender, then you add on class, then you add on geography, urban, rural, all sorts of ways in which you can be different. And so it is the job of a politician to be able to show that I can identify with you, that there's some point of commonality between you and I that means that I know, I know at least something about who you are that gives me the power to represent you. And I think somebody like John Stian Hazen um, is very self-involved in terms of he's you know, very focused on who he is and presenting himself, but not necessarily always thinking about the people who he's talking to and thinking about um, whether or not he actually can say something on behalf of a young black woman who has experienced racism um, at Stellenbosch and other places in life. And I think that Lorata is right, that the question about empathy um, is probably one of the biggest things that we saw missing, particularly in that Nando's um, fiasco. Mm. Um, a lot of people were saying, well, John didn't say anything. And I think that was exactly the problem is that I don't think in that moment he had the knowledge and the understanding of her experience that he even saw that there was something to be said. And that's the crux of politics is, do you understand power dynamics and how they're experienced by other people? And will you be able to know what to say on their behalf when you're given the power? And I think he he failed that test that day. So I started off the hour by asking a very simple question uh, to the listeners. And the question was, do you think we'll ever be governed by a white person again as South Africans? Um, obviously, it's a lot broader than that, but it was a starting point. And these are some of the vo- uh, voice notes that we've received in response. Good afternoon, Cizwe and the team. Uh, my, opinion, my opinion on this matter is that soon, Kaniti, we're going to find ourselves being led by a white man. And um, if Okongolose doesn't take the warning, um, this is a warning shot. What has happened or what has transpired out of these elections? Uh, people are tired. People are looking for change. Um, and therefore, you know, when you're looking for a change, when you are tired, you'll just even take risks so that you I'm happy with the comment that they've just said. One of the, the provincial leaders, especially, I think it was the case at N, Uguti, they really need to look at this because and um, yeah the risks so that we can get the services and they be fairness okay so that's the first voice note and I just want to highlight something you listen to a language she was using right she used the word risk uh, she used the word uh, warning. Uh, I think she mentioned risk twice. And so I suppose the question I would then ask would be, is it risky to have a leader that doesn't perhaps look like you in our country? Or should that matter at all? So long as the person, I guess, delivered on what their promises were. Lorato? So, Sizu, I, I don't think so, right? And, and again, to the point that Tessa was raising around the fact that, uh, you, you know, we are not a homogeneous bunch. Mm. So if you listen to some of the anecdotes about 
the apartheid experience. So when you listen to talk radio in the main, mm. the older generation sometimes uh, have this common refrain, apartheid was better because they are feeling that, you, you know, uh, the ANC is not delivering uh, and, and the apartheid used to deliver better. But a child that was born in 1994, a child, that same child that would have been in university around the mid-2000s, right? They have a completely different experience because they don't know what apartheid looked like, right? But they are also starkly aware of the fact that even if they, when they live in, in Tembisa and they have to take a taxi to a school to Kempton Park or Binoni so that they can access better education, they can relate that seemingly in, you know, in places of Abelungu, which is how we often refer them, Lani places, mm, mm. right? The experiences seem to be better. The quality seem to be better, right? So, 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 so the point that I'm really trying to bring home around this is that while uh, the, the issue may be or people may be thinking that it's a little bit risky to try and consider somebody who is not who's of a different color uh, and, and and the likes. Mm. For me, it is more a people's lived experience tell a lot in terms of how they would decide on uh, whether this is risky or not, right? And and lastly, on this, we, we we've seen solidarity particularly around the fees must fall uh, uh, or, or not even the, the, the fees must fall whenever there are protests in university, mm. right? More and more we are seeing them to be multiracial, mm. right? What does that say about South Africa in 10 years, right? It then says that there's going to be an acceptance that that generation that was okay with fighting side by side with their peers uh, at university, they will be a lot more comfortable being led by a white person. So their risk is not necessarily based on the fear, right? It is based on, I was comfortable with this person who does not look like me, but empathized and understood why uh, there was this issue. But also they took up my challenge in solidarity. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you are then saying, perhaps when you are looking for whom to cast your votes, it's really more about ideology than it is about race uh, in this particular instance. Is that what you're saying or am I putting words in your mouth? To, to, to a great extent, right? And, and, and if ideology, ideology was uh, put simply as what you seem to believe in, mm. right? Yes, that is it. Because to the example around uh, uh, these kids who are in, in, in school, in, in university protesting together, mm. right? We know that a lot of the people who are affected by financial exclusion are black people, mm. right? But immediately you start seeing white compatriots mm. fighting along you. They may not necessarily be saying that I am excluded, but they are saying in solidarity with you, I understand wh what you're going through, or at least I empathize with your, what you're going through. Right, and I'm even willing to lose class time, I'm willing to lose learning time so that you can gain what you are fighting for. Right, mm. so it then means that they believe, or at least they seem to be believing in a, a cause that I'm championing or a challenge and a struggle that I am going through. 
So let me just hold it right there because we've got a voice note uh, from one of our avid listeners, Simpius Busuzotuma. Uh, and this is what it sounds like. Sanbodan KFM team nama listeners. Nye guzo bati chana gne president dotaki or England gne president dotaki. So Africa gme libe nama African president. However, ngenze gabe lungo babu se futipi. Because tina inkinga yetu guti ne division e ning. Pega for example, ngenkati apartheid nje IFP ne ANC. Zale zitaba na gufaba ntu. So division intekta likona. No gne temo. Democracy, ANC, ne corruption, and Ningi, Gubenama Precawi Party, Amaning, Sonje Division, Gubotaki, Ningi, your problem yet. I belong on Abangabusa Futsi Party, Tenga Melang Pindienze. So, from that voice note, I take two things, right? In the first part of his voice notes, he speaks about Gehuzus, for example, China, Ubusu, Mundotaki, etc., and so on. Uh, speaking to your points about representation, right? But again, two points that both you and Lorata have made in that we are not a homogenous bunch of people. I could very much look like you, uh, but that's where it ends. In every other way, I'm very different to you. Uh, And so then how much value and emphasis do we then place on representation? Or should we go further when you go, okay, when we speak about representation, what exactly are we talking about? representation must be more than just um, things that you can mark off on a demographic survey. Mm. So it's not just, okay, you look a particular way, you sound a particular way, therefore I infer that you believe the same things that I do. So in terms of gender politics, for example, um, what the feminist movement has learned over time is that just having women in the room um, where the decisions are being made doesn't necessarily mean those women are going to do right by other women. Mm -hmm. So we must know that ideology must matter. The ideas that that person holds must matter. What complicates it in South Africa and where the the way you look and the way you sound and all of those things still play a role is that apartheid was a really pervasive system in terms of the way that it divided us, in terms of the way that it conscientized us, in terms of the way that it gave us access to certain privileges and certain entitlements and expectations. And so um, more often than not, it's hard to to find somebody who looks different from you, who shares a similar ideology, just because we live in such different contexts in this country. And that's where people are are coming from. They're saying, I don't have enough information about you um, to know that beyond what you look like, what you sound like, where you live, that you actually understand my point of view. And we're not very good at conversation in this country. We talk a lot. But we're not very good at having deep, meaningful conversations where we can disagree but still hear each other. And that's what it's going to take to get beyond um, the look and feel. And maybe the last thing I'll say, especially about that first part of the comment, you know, they said, you know, people in China are represented by Chinese, not by mm-hmm. um, a black person. And, um, you know, why that or how that translates in the South African context. I think that we, we, we have a right to say um, that white people do need to take a step back and ask themselves questions about the spaces they occupy and the ways in which they exclude black people and whether or not they are ready to lead black people in this country. Um, so it's not so much uh, black people ready to vote for a white person. My question is, are white people ready to actually lead black people without the privilege, 
without exclusion, without silencing people, without shutting people down, with the humility of learning from people, with the humility of taking them seriously. That's the thing that's uh, the litmus test when it comes to that. Um, are you really South African in the sense that you take black people in this country seriously? And more importantly than that, that you understand where they're coming from and you're willing to give space to who they are and the views they hold. Lorato, so now to bring you in here, because uh, I guess we're right back where we started. We're saying you can't really know somebody's intention until they communicate their intention. If I don't know you, for example, I will only get to know you by some form of communication. And so then to add to what Tessa has just iterated now, how do you get that communication right when people don't know you? Because again, you know, communication can be shaped, the narrative can be shaped, it can even be window dressed, so to speak, to suit uh, certain people. Once you get into office, you change that entirely. Uh, how do people know what to trust and what not to trust? And I know that it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult question to answer, but we literally just have a minute before we go to news. We can carry on after that, but now we have a minute. Sure. It's, it's, it's very difficult to, you know, at face value to, to trust, right? Particularly because uh, in this conversation, we're really talking about identity politics, right? So the, the issue of racial mistrust is something that is pervasive. And because of a number of things, so we, we watch news uh, clips and we hear that there's some black people that were shot at because they thought that he's a monkey, uh, you know, or somebody's driving in a neighborhood, uh, that, that does not look so black and then there's always people hovering around you or you are in a shop and the, the, you are always you know trying to buy something in, in a retail shop mm. and you feel a security guard hovering around you right mm. so that mistrust already communicates without even you know the verbal cues mm. uh, pronounce the, the the racial mistrust right so it's really being aware of if I was a, a, a white person speaking to, to a, 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 you know, a group of black people, I need to be aware of that, right? That, that without me saying a word, that exists as it is. So how do I then appeal to these people who may have already have a, you know, a, a perception about me without me uttering a word, right? Mm. Mm. And that's something you can't fake, by the way. Absolutely, absolutely not, right? Or even if you can, if you can it will not last too long. Mm. Okay. It started off in the last hour. We can't get over into this hour because it is just that rich and that nuanced. Uh, we joined in studio by a guest, Tessa, Tessa Dooms. I had no idea you could dance. I can, I can. Uh, <laughs> for life. Oh, man. And then on the line, we also joined by Lorato Njeking. Uh, are you still there, Lorato? I'm still here, Cesar. Perfect. It's a pity you, can't, you could not see me dance. Yeah, I can't see your moves. But I'll give you benefit of the doubt and think maybe you also like a 7 out of 10. Let's see. <laughs> uh, we've got some voice notes that have come in. Uh, I want to play a couple of them and then let's uh, reignite the discussion. So 
So she's saying on her side, it doesn't matter who it is as long as they understand her needs. Hi, Sis, um, and the team. I think we can't ignore the fact that um, Chris spoke soul. And and as much as that's not impressive because we're also speaking English right now, I think because of, it's like an effort thing because how many white people make that effort to try and learn your language? Some of them can't even s- pronounce your name. So, like from that point of view to make you sort of listen and it grabs your attention right secondly the anc has messed up so much that anything that sounds good is something that's gonna probably gain traction because of the fact that what have we got to lose we've got everything to gain and thirdly is what you referred to when you spoke about the core issues sometimes they speak as if as much as we are one country but then different things affect different communities and that speech that uh, you that clip that you played of chris was specific to that community it might not be something that's relevant in other places but then he was targeting that community he won i mean that municipality and he won there because he spoke specifically to what is is wrong there and i think it's it, it, it was quite impressive mm. no look i was also impressed again more than just the language as you pointed out it's his use of the language and the fact that he knew for example that in his area for four, the last four days they didn't have electricity you know he was using izaka figures of speech in his zulu that if you understand you know that's not something you can go to school for uh he had puns in there uh, for me all of that kind of then contributes to me saying okay even though i'm not a da supporter myself if i lived in that area i possibly would have voted for him I think politicians they should uh, understand it's not how hard you campaign it's not how hard you campaign it's about how hard you work way before my elections you know understand so now they try hard but campaign but campaign for what we don't see and they might just know which it's all good it's all about working hard for the community we deliver for the community way before the elections then we will vote for you so tessa that specific voice note is for you just keep it in mind uh lorato this next one is specifically for you i i'm sorry family but what the gentleman said about you seeing that a white person is fighting alongside you what i can tell you is this that dis- disillusionment disappears when you find that now you're working and you find that a white person who was not achieving the academic results that you as a black person could achieve they get a job quicker than you and even they get a better paying job than you then you find that white people are getting better jobs than black people who are more academic excellent than them that's when now you start going really if the system already is still when the black leaders in power what more when the white person is in power now how bad is it going to get for us black graduates while the white graduates find jobs more faster than us and better paying jobs so lorato uh, maybe let's start with you just to respond to that last point because they're obviously uh, responding to a point that you'd made earlier on in the last hour sure so and and, and he makes a he makes a valid point right because th- that is uh, a lived reality of many graduates. You, you'll remember uh, a letter written by one, I think his name was Bonga Banga, mm. when he was at First Rand. He wrote it to Paul Harris, the CEO of First Rand at the time, right? Mm. Uh, bemoaning the same thing that, that, that he's talking about, you know, relating an experience of how a white uh, 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 person who had almost a similar kind of uh, qualification, similar years of experience, experience was treated differently so that he was uh, fast-tracked 
in in the job right uh, and and it's possible that uh, bonga when he was in when he was at adversity he actually felt that uh, his white counterparts and compatriots, uh, you, you know, cared about his lived experiences mm. or were, were a lot more in solidarity. Mm. And that is why, remember, for me, it's where you started, right? So mm. you start by asking, do we, will we find ourselves at a point where a white person will be governing South Africa, right? Mm. What is going to be that, tip, that tipping point that gets white uh, black people to trust that white people will be governing them, not into subjugation, but, you know, because they care about changing uh, their lives for the better, their lived, you, you know, their livelihoods and improving, uh, working on the challenges that, 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 that we, we, we experience, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it's more a... So wh- while these white young compatriots, and, and, and Tessa pointed out to this to say, it is important for white people who are recipients of this privilege mm. to actually reflect on it, right? So here you have this white young person who's a beneficiary of this white privilege and they are okay to keep quiet when they realize that or when they observe that uh, the same injustice that they may have been standing against wh- while they were side by side with you at university continues and yet they are okay with, with keeping quiet here. Right. So, so, so for me, it's more a, there's a conversation that must continue. There's a conversation that we must continue to have about uh, this, this, you know, this issue around uh, mistrust uh, that, that, that we have between the, and the divisions that, that we have amongst the races, mm. right? Is it sustainable? Of course not, Right. Social cohesion is not an if or whether we ought to. We have to find a way of making sure that social cohesion uh, happens in South Africa, right? But of course, it can't be one-sided. Of course, it can't be where you have black graduates who gripe a lot about we don't get uh, opportunities. When we get the opportunities, we get to be intense uh, and, and, and be in learnerships perpetually. And when we get opportunities to be, to be elevated, we find out at some point that our white counterparts are earning a lot more than we, we, we are earning. And so on that point, is it not possible then that a white person who does enjoy white privilege recognizes the fact that he or she enjoys that white privilege, could then use that privilege to the benefits of his or her constituency? So, so, so it's, the, the, the likelihood is that a lot of them are comfortable with the status quo, mm. right? And, and, and I know that I'm making a, a very gross generalization, mm-hmm. right? And the reason I'm making this gross generalization, it is because if it was not the case, there would have been some revolution by white people who are recipients of white privilege, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's pay or any other that, you know, advantages them over, over black people, mm-hmm. right? The, the question now that then becomes when they start or, or, or when, when, when there's some semblance of them showing solidarity, uh, are they embraced, right? Mm. Particularly by black people. Mm. Ajo Slovo shows that, right? Mm. Uh, there are a number of black or of white compatriots who, you, you know, uh, consistently were, were showing solidarity 
amongst or with black people and they did it almost as a lifelong thing it was not just a, a, a momentary thing or as a, as a point of of convenience so so p- perhaps the most important thing is going to be about the question that, that we have to always raise is are you consistent in the solidarity mm-hmm. if no why not Welcome back, Car Drive on the Streets on the Air. If you just joined us in studio, we are joined by Tessa Dooms. And on the line, we've also got Lorato Njengeng. And we're having a discussion about politics. Uh, Before we went to this break, Tessa, we played a voice note. And somebody was speaking about how, well, when you are a politician, it's really about more than the campaign. Uh, It's about your actions. Your actions would essentially be your campaigning. And I saw you tweet the same thing. You said, especially when you're the incumbent, your campaign doesn't begin a month or two before the elections or better yet, even a year before the elections. As soon as you get into office, that's your campaign. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what struck me and has been one of the things that's been a growing part of um, particularly the ANC's narrative, but a lot of parties' narratives is this idea of going to ground, Mm. this idea of being with the masses, this idea of the grassroots. And all that says to people is... You only come to us, come to ground, which means you're high up somewhere. You're, you're living on a hill somewhere and then you come to ground when you need us. Um, you, you think about us as the grassroots. And that's very different from if you think about the liberation movement and the ways in which we framed and understood what we were doing. Um, it was about us. It was we are in trouble. If you, I, th- I always think about the, the clips that I've seen um, of... Um, and now his name completely escapes me. Chris Honey. Yes. Chris Honey always spoke about the we, not the, about the our people. He spoke about the we because he included himself in, in a very real way, the people who were marginalized, the people who were being oppressed, the people whose rights and dignity was being destroyed. And what it makes me feel like when we're now in a, a, a time where politicians talk about going to ground our people, them, the grassroots, is we must ask the question, um, who are the white people of black people? Mm. You know, have we gotten to a point where there are now black people who really have just taken up um, their own place in whiteness? You know, there's white people and then there's whiteness and Mm. the white privilege and the privilege that comes with money and um, power and all of that. And perhaps what we're seeing now is not just a rejection of white people and a fear of white people, but a fear of whiteness and the kind of power um, relations that have been created between the black elite and the po- po- the political elite and everybody else. People don't want to feel that way because it is reminiscent of apartheid. It is reminiscent of um, their current struggles where they feel um, they're not seen, they're not heard, they're not treated with respect. And it's even worse when it comes from somebody who looks like you because it's a very jarring thing. When you, see, when you feel that from a white person, it's like, ah, yeah, I expect this. Mm-hmm. But when you feel whiteness from a black person that you expect a different from, that's a very jarring thing. And I think people are starting to feel that more. Mm. Let's take a couple more voice notes. Um, Hi, Cesar. I totally agree with that lady. And the thing is that, Abelungu, we even see the way we've been treated in our workplaces. I work for one of the international companies. And you must see how black people are being exploited. And you will understand that people really have the fear of Uguti, Umlungu, apartheid. 
Mm. Let's play one more voice notes and then we'll come to you, Lorato, after the news. On the streets, on the air, always a nice show, guys. I uh, just Thank have you. a couple of questions uh, with regards to politics. It's actually, first question is, if we look at like different leaders within politics, if we look at the leader of UDM, he was part of ANC. If we look at uh, Lakota Cope, he was part of ANC. If we look at uh, Julius Malema, he was part of ANC. Uh, ANC. But I tend to think if these guys uh, are moving away from the organization itself, was it actually power for them? Was it important for them to obtain the power as being presidents or was actually working for the people? Because moving from party to party or Herman Mashaba or whoever is actually making a difference or someone could join a party because of they seeing potential of that party to actually change people's lives okay well thank you very much for the question we'll attend to it after this if you just joined us we're about to wrap up a discussion that's been very interesting over the last hour and 40 minutes uh joined in studio by a guest tessa, tessa dooms I keep messing up your name i don't know why uh and then we also joined on the line by another guest of ours lorato checking now before we went to sport and the headlines we had a voice note and somebody was speaking about politicians getting the message. Lorato, as somebody who's CEO of an organization that actually deals with politicians, do you get the sense that they get the message or even understand what's needed of them? Or is it just a matter of, look, I'm a career politician. My path has led me here. This is where I am now. Two, two things, right? The, the, the first one is that Oftentimes, mm. they have shown not to get the message, mm. right? Because, so, so let, let, let's take Cyril Ramaphosa as an example. Mm. He gets into office, his biggest campaign, or at least part of the new dawn, was to persuade and convince you and I that uh, co- corruption will be a thing of yesterday, mm. right? And of course, we are not oblivious to the fact that it was going to be a mammoth task, mm. right? But he then layered and layered his action with committees, subcommittees, this, that, or the other, that did not demonstrate that, mm. right? Mm. So in their words, a lot of the times, they say the things that we, you and I want to hear, right? But more often, if we were just to look at, can we take what you said and the timeline that you had promised, and can we, based on that, say that you have actually overperformed or just performed uh, based on, on, on your promise. Of course not. Right? Mm-hmm. Again with the Cyril Ramaphosa. Remember one of the issues that, that he came up with was to say to us that you, we, I'm going to make sure that there are performance agreements mm-hmm. for all my ministers so that I can fire the one who underperforms. Mm-hmm. Just a simple thing of signing them in the time that he had set for himself. He failed at that. Right, and that is not just a Cyril Ramaphosa thing. Look around; we see it almost everywhere, and that is why, on the other hand, when you see a Bongani Baloi, the former mayor of the Midval, right, mm. who has done exceptionally well, right, his track record speaks speaks for himself. Mm. It, uh, uh, you know, he 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 literally went exceptionally well with the the citizens of Midval. Were there issues in Midval? Of course, there were uh, community protests from time to time and all of that. But there seemed to have been 
a good working relationship between himself, the council, the councillors, and the community where there was an understanding that there is a desire and an intention to work for the people of Midval. Okay, so look, I guess for me then, in summation, my question would be to you, Tessa, how do we move forward uh, with this current system? Uh, I said something yesterday facetiously and I was like, we should vote every year because (laughs) whenever it is an election year, it seems like politicians are then spurred on to want to deliver. Uh, What would your thoughts be on that? I mean, you're right about wanting to deliver. Somebody pointed out that this year we didn't even see that big surge that we usually see in the last few months where roads are being paved quickly and fences are being put up and taps are being installed. We didn't even see that last push. But we're hearing a lot of we want to deliver. You Mm. know, this is a message from our people that we haven't delivered. We can't go back to our people until we've delivered. Um, But I remember a time called 2014 when the ANC also got a shock because it was the first time they had a big drop and we had the same words about, I want to deliver, I want to deliver, I want to deliver, self-correction. And we haven't seen it. And it goes back to the earlier um, voice note about um, campaigning through your actions. The most authentic way to communicate to people is through the way you act, is through the way you actually go and do that delivery. Um, No party that's in government would have to campaign hard, um, you know, with their mouths if their actions were speaking for them the entire time. But I think um, even if we, we think about people who haven't been in government yet, so you go back to the, the KZN um, thing, it's even something as simple as knowing what the issues are um, and being in that community, walking those streets, um, assisting people. I've said to people that as, as new parties enter the fray, They can't say to you, well, we can't tell you about what we're going to do yet because you haven't given us the opportunity to govern. The truth is you should vote for people who are doing things even when they don't have the power to govern yet. And I mean, there are examples of just NGOs who are building houses and schools and they're doing all sorts of things without the power to govern. Mm. So if you're a political party, get busy doing. The most authentic voice that you can communicate in is actually doing things. People want to know they can trust you and they want to know that you're not just power hungry. How do you communicate that? Start doing things even before you get power. Thank you very much for joining us, Tessa Dooms. And thank you very much for joining us as well, Lorato Chenking. Uh, joining us from the line uh, on Clean Feed. Thank you very much for your time this afternoon. Thank you, Caesar. Kaya Drive with Caesar, Monday to Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. on Kaya 959.